they ended up rushing me to a military hospital, Bamsey Hospital, and they pumped my stomach, and I was seven times the legal limit. Hey, got something really cool I want to run by and let you know what's going on. So I'm starting a group that will start taking a deep dive into each one of these episodes. So we'll collectively come together and talk about the shows, talk about the guests. I'll be bringing back some of the guests to do some Q&A sessions and really take a, a further dive into their story, their journey, the episode, talk about you know maybe some of the things you wish I would have asked on the episodes, do some Q&A sessions and the like. As a friend put it to me, it's really like a book club but for the podcast. So a couple times a week, we'll go in, we'll break down the favorite shows of the week, um, and have cool discussions around everything that we've heard, we've learned, uh, and want to know about their journey. Some of these guests will come in and they'll teach part of you know what makes them awesome at what they do. And then, as always, I'll be providing regular value and content in this group. It's really cool because this only is going to cost $5 a month to join this group. And you'll be able to come in, interact with everybody else in there. So I'll put a link right in the show notes for this that you can jump in, come have a conversation with us, and we will really deep dive into each one of these episodes and help us all rise up together. Thanks for tuning in, guys. It's going to be a great show today. You know, having the show wasn't something I started out to do. But the day I found out somebody wanted to really sponsor the show was a really, really cool experience. So, guys, I want you to take a, some time to go check out Point Blank Safety Services and their new nonprofit, Blue Family Fund. These guys are doing some really, really cool things. And uh, Stacy McGovern, who's the CEO over there, has been a dear friend, and she, you know, she was a guest on the show. You know, but these guys are literally taking you know the off-duty officers and putting them out in security guard role. And here's what's cool about it is, you know, as they're protecting our lives, you know, they don't make a whole lot of money in that regard. No first responders are paid uh, for the value they provide for our safety and our health and taking care of us. So these guys, you know, Stacy and her team over at Point Blank Safety Services have really found a cool way to give back to these officers by helping them provide an additional income so they can continue to support and protect us. So do me a favor, guys. Seriously, go check out pointblanksafety.com and then go look at their nonprofit, which is Blue Family Fund. Now, this nonprofit was created because of the success of Point Blank Safety Services. They wanted to give back to the families of fallen officers and be able to give scholarships away to the families of current you know, uh, police officers. So, so do me a favor. Um, it, it would mean the world to me if you would go out and help support this show by supporting Point Blank Safety Services and their nonprofit Blue Family Fund. Just tell them Donnie has sent you. you. You heard it on Donnie's Success Champions, and Stacy will take a m tremendous and amazing care of you. Thanks, guys.
All right, guys, so this is going to be a good one. I'm bringing a Instagram influencer, Chris Cota, to the stage. We're going to talk a lot about things he's doing in Facebook. We're going to talk a lot about things he's doing in businesses and where he's going in life on his journey and how he almost died and helped change the trajectory of his life. All right, guys, so today I'm bringing you Chris, the Revenue Accelerator Coda. That sounds like a wrestling name, so we're going to have some fun with that. I'm going to let him introduce himself, tell him his story, and kind of just walk us through a little bit of his journey. So, Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Tell us your story. Tell us your journey. Let's hear about it. Well, my story is an interesting story. Right now I'm in the entrepreneur game, you know, helping businesses build their business or, you know, obtain customers, but... It wasn't always that way. I grew up in a small town called Sulphur Springs, about 80 miles outside of Dallas, Texas. And I grew up on a farm. I had I had nothing. I didn't know what anything was. You know, it, it's a dry county out there back then. So I didn't even know what alcohol was. You know, then after all that, I born and raised there and ended up moving to Plano. And I didn't like that. That had some kind of quarrels and situations with my mom and my stepdad so I just dipped out and went to live with my my dad but before that and my mom's always been there for me she's a single mom like hard worker just got took over by a few men and you know it's just part of life part of learning experience but it drove me into a bigger city where I was introduced to alcohol and you know weed and drugs and all that and, and I didn't know what that was that was like kind of amazing I, I was like what what is this magical stuff <laughs> and, and you know i didn't i grew up in nothing so it's it's kind of kind of crazy no, I get it, man. I mean, I came from farm life myself. I grew up in my younger years on about a 500-acre farm in Kansas. We didn't own the land, but we had the house on there. About 11 years old, I moved from the country to the suburbs of Fort Worth outside the Dallas area. You know, and the culture shocks that came with that being, you know, a poor country kid you know, with hand-me-down clothes and transitioning into the life, I tell people I, I didn't see my first really African-American person until I was around 11 years old once I moved to Texas. I mean, that's just how rural a country we were when we grew up. So I'm sure that shift from country life to, well, Plano's more suburbia than, than city, but, you know, to wherever you're at now had to be a wild ride. It was crazy. So from there, I went to San Antonio and, and uh, graduated from Judson High School. But it's kind of interesting. Uh, this in, this interview's coming up because I actually wrote part of that story last night. Um, you know, and, and it's pretty much titled uh, "The Night." You know, when when I almost died. So I ended up in in high school and going to parties and learning what all that was. I was like the man, the party guy. Everybody called to go to the party. Me and my crew, we were the ones that always had the big blowouts, just taking over people's houses. And I was also known as the beer bong king or the keg stamp king. And, you know, people knew that. And so someone took advantage of it and poured a whole bottle of Jose Cuervo in the beer bong. So I drank a whole bottle in like five seconds. Ugh. And then it's crazy. And, and I found myself in a bathtub with ice and apparently I was would have been in there another like 15 20 minutes I would have died but a couple of my friends found me and got pretty pissed off that I was even in there and tried to find who did whatever and whoop his ass but 
you know, I, I don't know where that all went, but long story short, they ended up rushing me to a military hospital, family hospital, and they pumped my stomach, and I was seven times the legal limit, and so I literally almost died. Um, you know, I don't remember if I went into – oh, actually, yeah, like I said, I went into a coma for a few hours, but I did come out of it pretty quickly, so thank thank God for that. So that, that definitely means I'm here for a reason. And, yeah, I'm still defining my purpose, you know, kind of as we speak, but thankful for my friends that found me and, and took action. Yeah, I, I, I get it, Matt. I can't imagine downing an entire fifth of tequila like that. I mean, that's that's insane. And I've, you know, been my past been an over-the-top heavy drinker, and, you know, that much alcohol consumption in a short amount of time, dude, you lose control of everything at that point. I mean, that's that's insane. Okay. Thank God you had some close friends by that could get you out of that situation. Would you say that was a shock to the system to say it's time to grow up a little bit? or Absolutely, but it wasn't an intention. It was somebody thought it would be a funny joke right. to pour the bottle in there. So I didn't go and say, hey, I want to bong a bottle of Jose Cuervo. I was already wasted, and someone knew that, and they poured it in there. So I just want to make it clear that I wasn't intending on drinking <laughs> It happened, and, you know, it happened to create that situation. And But it did wake me up a little bit and kind of woke me up out of my party life. And then I met my um, significant other, my wife, shortly after that. And, you know, she also noticed the partying thing and kind of was like, hey, you got to stop that. So. Yeah, I tell you, behind every great man's a better woman. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I can tell you, my wife pulled me out of some shit as well, and actually got me to grow back up. You know, because I, you know, I had did the whole corporate America grow life, chasing everything else, and then found bartending and found partying and drinking and drugs and everything else again. But when you meet a powerful woman that steals your damn heart, you know, when they say, "Hey," straighten the fuck up <laughs> you start listening you know <laughs> yeah i mean mine yeah she she literally she saw some craziness that, that i was doing and you know thank god that she came along and you know she's a japanese lady and so i i also kind of adapted to the japanese culture which if, if i wouldn't have done that i'd either be dead or in jail and broke because you know they're very good at you know saving money making money very loyal you know, just all about family. It's very interesting, the difference between the two cultures. It's, it's actually mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So she's Japanese, so is she? So she's from Japan. Do you guys go visit and spend time over there? Or? Yeah, every now and then. She came over for a student visa, and then she never went back after we met. And that was kind of the rest of history. And then we ended up getting married and all that. And you know, having two kids, and now we live in Atlanta, Georgia, where you know, we've been here since 2003, I think it is, 2003. So we've been here for a good little while. We've been married for about 12 years, so we have two wonderful kids. And I, I, I'm a crazy dad, so, you know, some of the craziness still did come out of me, but it's not <laughs> bad crazy. I named my kids after cars, and you know, my oldest is Bentley, like the Bentley. Right. My youngest is Aston, like Aston Martin. <laughs> well, at least you went to high-end cars. You didn't name them like Pinto or, you know, yeah. Nova or something, you know. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, no, because I'm a car guy. My my original passion was I'm, I'm an auto mechanic, and you know that's how I kind of survived life for a while. Is I was an auto mechanic, and then got a DWI and changed that changed my whole world and kind of drove me into sales and tech and now kind of marketing and and helping other businesses grow. Nice. So. Did you choose to be a mechanic, or is that something you grew up on? I mean, were you just tinkering with cars, and then, you know, that tinkering, took, and then yeah. I learned it all, all myself, and then I was like, hmm, I want to be an indie race car driver, and that was my real dream, but it got all shattered once DWI came. I used to work for Nissan and Toyota and Honda and all the big dealers, and then that happened, and they tried to put me in an office position, but it just... It wasn't the same. The passion was different. And then I ended up going to, uh, you know, from there to a company called Radio Shack. And, you know, I, that's where I learned my sales skills. And I, and I learned pretty quick how to sell things to people. And then ended up being an assistant manager and all. And then that was kind of taken away inadvertently when they, they tried to give me a store that was closing. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't make sense. So, and they're like, and we, we don't have nowhere else to move you. And they closed. I'm like, all right. So I was done with that. And then I went and sold cars. So I went back into the car thing. But it wasn't the same. This wasn't the same. So Why do you think it wasn't the same? Was it because of just life experiences at that point? You had bigger ambitions and you couldn't see yourself in that world or what? Yeah, well, I, I love cars too much. I didn't want to sell them. I wanted to work on them and fix them. Selling was cool, but I think I got a bad experience. And if I went to another dealership, it would have been probably better. But, you know, they, they had a sales program and a bonus program where, you know, you get paid a bonus for selling a certain amount of units, but you got to pay it back on your next check. I'm like, that's not motivating. <laughs> are you kidding? Like, are you serious? I'm to pay you back my bonus. So I was like, okay, that's, that's done. And then I went into the public government contracting sector and but I went is tech so I helped that organization fill positions so they were a staffing agency so my job was to get people online interested in those jobs to fill those positions and submit their resumes so that's I learned a lot of my marketing in in that that whole uh, vertical and again I'm self-taught on everything no I didn't go to school college Nothing, just high school, and I was done. Right on. So sounds like you've been tinkering for quite a while in a whole bunch of different endeavors that, you know, have, have taught you some things along the way, and that probably is what helped launch you into some of the shit you're doing now. Yeah, pretty much. The tinkering, what I'm finding is I learned a little of this, a little of that, a little of that, so I know a, a whole bunch of different concepts and verticals in different industries, so I'm able to help those industries improve like their systems or their process and you think that's all come about because you've probably screwed up learning along the way some different things so you've learned that you know probably processes really help you get things done and accomplish and you're just now applying that to helping businesses put the right processes and systems in place Absolutely. And, you know, I'm always learning. Everything's not always perfect. There's so many different softwares and systems that come out, different changes, and, you know, Facebook marketing, you got the algorithms here, algorithms there. Cool, it's working today. Well, crap, tomorrow it's not working. They changed it. <laughs> so then you got to go figure out what's going on. So it, it, it's always a concept of um, 
you're gonna, you got to be very mechanically inclined and be able to adapt quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So walk us through it. So what do you do now? I mean, what's the job, the career, you know, the business? You know, how are you helping these businesses? Well, I can't mention any names, but, for example, right now one of my main ones that I'm very proud about is I'm running some Facebook ads for a publicly traded company, and they have a product that they're launching, and we're on track for the goal, and the goal is to get that product publicly traded as well and hit the NASDAQ. Then when that happens, it's just like a giant party for everybody. So my main strength is if Facebook advertising, but I also know the whole processes of, you know, setting up call centers to lead generation, you know, because that's also a technique that I, I and another um, partner of mine help generate a concept of, okay, cool. Everyone sends traffic or, or paid advertising to a website. And you've got to hope that someone clicks the buy button and buys something. So we started that in the beginning and it wasn't working. I was like, no, this, this, we got to put a wall up. And so I started generating the leads and getting the info and the interest. So then created the sales team to go and get those numbers and then close the deal. So the probability of actually getting a conversion is higher if you also include a human aspect versus yeah. just the automated. No, that's awesome, and that's awesome. And I think a lot of people tinker with Facebook ads, and they're such an anomaly because, you know, if you look at the – if you've never done a lot of Facebook advertising and then you look at the back end of Facebook, the first time you look at it and it's just this monstrosity of options and features and things you can do from, you know, targeting particular people, and it can be overwhelming for somebody the first time they look at all that. So how did you start figuring out how to best utilize Facebook because I guarantee you nobody picks it up the first time and hits a home run. You know, there's there's a lot of trial and error and learning, you know. And it's not about beating the algorithm. It's about working with the algorithm properly to ensure you're getting the highest return on your investment dollars. Walk right. us through that journey a little bit. It's a bunch of testing. So what people think is, hey, I'll create an ad. Cool. I'm done. No. You need to create about 50 different ads with 50 different targeting variations. Let them run for three or four days. Find the winners. Get the winners. Optimize the winner even better and scale it. And not only do you scale it, you got to kill the losers and figure out what caused the, it not to convert. And then you got to go in and find, is it, the, is it the copy? Is it the image? You know, what are people not resonating? Certain targeting groups will resonate with things that others won't. And, it's, and then, you know, there's also different concepts of, um, and this is all learning. I learned all this, like, by myself through trial and error, is the retargeting method, meaning, you know, you, you go and click, for example, I don't know, see Coca-Cola or something, go to their website, and I guarantee you, you're going to be followed around by Coca-Cola ads almost everywhere you go for at least, you know, a few days. And it's, that's, that's different because they're trying to just do – Brand exposure, brand recognition. But if you're trying to generate leads and close deals, hey, buy this product. Oh, you know what? We saw you clicked on our ad, but you didn't, com you know, complete the process. If you complete right now, you know, we'll give you an extra 10, 20% off. Right. You follow them around and stuff like that. And you get in their subconscious and they're like, oh, I guess I do need that thing. And I keep seeing it all the time. 
and then, you know, so it, it's a game. It's yeah. literally a game. But well, it's, it's a game that operates like the law of attraction. Well, you know, what's funny is people get mad at their Facebook feed, and we'll stay there for a second, because, you know, they think that their Facebook feed is feeding them, you know, or they think Facebook, you know, is dividing the U.S. or dividing the world because of thoughts and opinion. But what people don't understand, you control your Facebook feed, right? Whatever you go out and search, you can search on Amazon, you can search Google, you can search anywhere. Any website you go to, somebody's tracking that, somebody's seeing that action, and wherever you go, your entire feed changes to whatever you're searching, let alone if you go comment on somebody else's post, they'll start showing that person's post in your feed more often because Facebook thinks that's what you're interested in, and all mm-hmm. Facebook gives it, they don't care what you're consuming, they just want to keep you on Facebook longer. So they're constantly looking at where your eyeballs are going, what are you interacting on, what are you commenting on, and that's the things that keep showing up in your feed. Um, and people don't often understand that they're controlling that feed. So are you guys using that entire process to get people to purchase the products and services from your clientele? Absolutely. That and a combination of other things. It's not only Facebook, but there's also some other creepy aspects that, you know, track where your phones are. And, you know, it could tell that you just walked out of the Lexus dealership. So let's say I want to run some ads for the Mercedes dealership down the road. There's some other technology that exists that we utilize that says, hey, we saw you just walked out of the Lexus dealership. You know, if you come down to Mercedes, you know, maybe we'll give you an extra... I don't know, three-year warranty or, or something, you know, got to come up with something persuasive, yeah. but you can get pretty creepy. Yeah, I know. I do. When I was working for Cardinal Health out of St. Louis, I did work in their data department for a while helping sell franchises, and, you know, one of the craziest things is, is I could tell you exactly which TV show you were watching in your house, what you were buying, what you were purchasing, what music you were listening to. I mean, I knew everything about you, and we would set up, you know, advertising and targeting specifically targeted directly at you and technology is only taking it further that, you know, your phone has become an electronic leash for media and for advertising. And for too long, your whole house is going to be that way with Alexa and Google home and all these things. So it's getting wild about how far technology is penetrating, you know, our lives in a good and bad way. Yeah. Good and bad way. What a lot of people don't realize is not only is it tracking you by websites, but your Facebook Messenger actually listens to your calls. And so if you notice you're talking to a friend about something and on a, on a phone call, and then you start seeing that ad because the data is being sent through your Messenger. All these apps are collecting different data, which, you know, it's a good, it's a bad thing, it's a good thing, but it, if anyone wants your info, they're going to get it. So why hide from it? Why not just embrace it and enjoy it while we can because, you know, this is the technology age that we're living in. Imagine what it's going to be like in 20 years. I mean, we're already getting, you know, we're at the point of self-driving cars, you know. It's going to be the point. I'm excited about self-driving cars, even though I own a farm out in the country again. The whole thought process that I can go across the country and do this podcast in the back seat just – thrills the hell out of me because I don't have to be driving or anything else. So, you know, I get it. I enjoy it. But at the same time, I I moved back out the country to get away from some of it as it goes along. 
So what else are you doing from a business standpoint? Because you're doing more than Facebooks, you know, everything else. What else are you doing? I help others obtain a better mindset because, you know, I have this slogan I recently created and people are loving it. You know, if you're a sales guy or if you're in the sales field, if you change your mindset, you change the phone call. 100%. Yeah, 90% of my background, you don't know, is I spent 19 years in the sales game, all of them straight commission, all of it in B2B sales, selling high ticket items from franchises, commercial printing, and this, that, and the other. And I will tell you, 99% of every sales call is won or lost before you get start the sales call. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't About change. The feelings and the emotion. Hell yeah. I mean, if, if you don't walk into that already thinking you won the deal, then the conversation's over. But you can't be a slick jackass on that sales call either because as soon as somebody feels like they're being sold, conversation's over, you know. So how do you get people to change their mindset when they're going into those sales calls and stuff? Well, first you have to listen to, you know, 10 to 15 calls and then go off of the the predictability of how you think they're going to act on the next call and then how the customer reacted. And then you can identify, you know, hey, you know, instead of just saying, hey, this is uh, John with AT&T, why not just start off something like, hey, how are you? Y'all just calling today on behalf of AT&T because what I'm doing is I'm helping people save money. So then you don't go into selling. You just talk about helping. It depends on what it is, then I can come up with a different strategy because I've listened to, you know, limo companies, party bus rentals, and, you know, people get on the phone. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a party bus. Uh, I need uh, 25 people. I'm sorry, we don't have that. I'm like, but wait a second. We have the stretch limo. We have a Hummer. We have a a nice coach bus that could accommodate those people, but you just told them no and they're done. You you lost an option to, you know, help them because you don't have to sell them. They just need help. Right. So there's, there's different concepts. It's about helping or it's about sales. And, you know, nobody growing up raised their hand and says, I want to be a sales guy. I mean, that's just not a thing. Everybody kind of finds their way into sales and usually because they couldn't find a job someplace else. So they're like, oh shit, well, I'll go sell whatever, you know, as part of their journey, as part of their process. And I think they carry that fear of somebody's going to recognize them as a salesperson into every sales call. So when regular opportunities pop in front of them and they don't have to sell, especially like the scenario you put up, they're freaking out because they're so worried they're going to sound like a salesperson when, like you said, they could just help the person out by fulfilling what they're looking for by getting creative in the process and taking sales out of the equation, you know, through all the process. You know, how did you learn to be successful in sales? Trial and error, failures, wins, just starting to understand human behavior, the subconscious, the conscious, you know, why why a concept I have is leave your problems at the door, you know, before you walk in. So if you can help someone leave their, you know, they just got in a fight with their wife, cool. Well, how do you think their sales are going to go the whole day? Right. Unless they find a way or they're, you know, coached on how to leave that at the door and reposition that energy in a positive way and then that will also help them later on because then they're going to go home in a great mood 
And then the wife's going to be like, huh, he's in a good mood. We just had a fight. What, what's going on? That could end up being, you know, a date night or something great. Right, right, right. Yeah, so where do you think all this is taking you, man? You're helping companies with their sales processes. You're helping them with their Facebook advertising and other advertising. You're putting systems process, all this. Where is this all taking you? To be the leader in helping propel a company that's hit their plateau into the next level. Because once you hit your plateau and you get comfortable and you just don't know why nothing's changing, but you're doing the same thing you did yesterday, you're going to get the same results you got yesterday. you got to find something to change up or introduce to make those results higher. You know, it's not going to work right away. It might. But, you know, you're going to face – it's all about testing. you got to test it and see what works. And when it works and it sticks, you just keep testing and introducing. And once you define, like, okay, cool, I think this is the best experience for your customer. Because you got to go through every experience as a customer. And once you can do that, you know what either sucked and what they should improve or what, you know, maybe just needs a few tweaks here and there. And it could actually increase the uh, LTV, the lifetime value of a customer. Absolutely. I have a theory, though, that people, a lot of people walk through life because they want to plateau. They want to get to that make-believe place of I can just let my hair down, not have to work anymore. You know, I can just coast. When I was telling anybody, there, there is no coast. You're either moving forward or backwards. Right, because if you're coasting, you're actually moving backwards. And most people, when they get especially into a sales role, they're like, "Man, if I can just get X amount of customers or X amount of clients, I can quit being a sales guy." I'm like, "Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Because as soon as you stop selling, your business starts dying." You know, so it's interesting that you help people pass that plateau because it's such a tough spot to be in. But also, a lot of people don't like tinkering. A lot of people don't like to do the figuring out things. They just want it to work. How do you convince a company that they really need to be tinkering, looking at their processes, looking for the holes, and taking risks to figure out what's working or what's not working? As far as like trying to gain a new company or convince a company that they need help? Both. So the way I always approach it is I literally will go through the experience as a customer, and then I'll call them and I'll have my complaints. And then I'll say, by the way, do you know that I help businesses and organizations like you improve their system processes to avoid these phone calls? I like that a lot, actually. How often does that work for you? It works maybe 80% of the time. Now, that's a huge close ratio. And that's the unique approach that I don't know if I've heard anybody take that on, maybe from a website perspective. But you're literally calling up to a company acting like a customer. And as you get through the process, and I'm assuming you've gotten passed up the line at some point, you call and you know, you're turning them into clients. Yeah, because I usually, I always try to get to the managers or the owners or whatever. I mean, I had an example at a brand new seafood place that opened, and this was a real experience. A brand new seafood place that opened, and you know you're excited to go eat the seafood, crab legs, whatever, you know, all the Cajun spices. Have a beer. You get there. They have horrible music. A guy playing the saxophone that shouldn't be playing the saxophone because it sounds like dying cats or something. <laughs> and 
then you're trying to enjoy and eat, and then you're, you're ready to order. And like, yeah, let's get this, let's get this, you know, just get me a beer. What beer you got? Sorry, um, we don't have our liquor license yet. I'm like, oh, my God, that's two things. And then, you know, the other experience of where the waiters don't come back and help you. And so you just kind of go through and you just explain all you. How do I do this? I approached them actually on Facebook Messenger and I said, hey, your business is not ready to be open. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is my experience. And I told them and they're like, oh, my goodness. My goal wasn't to get to the owner at that point. And that kind of opened the door and made that. Um, concept come more to life. I was like, oh, wait a second. This is, this is exactly how you need to approach every situation because it's not, it's not salesy. It's different. You're absolutely basically dem- demonstrating their problems. And then you throw the hook line at the end. You know, by the way, you know that I can help you fix all these problems. Absolutely. And you know, it's what you tell people all the time. I used to do sales training, and one of the things you'd say is once you can garnish trust and you can get to that point where somebody can trust you, the conversation gets a lot simpler. You know, is if, if you try and crack somebody over the head with the sale at the gate, I doubt you're going to lose that deal because people love to buy. Mm-hmm. They just hate to sell. I mean, you hate to be sold, you know, all the way through the process, dude. So I, I got to tell you, I really love that approach, and I'm going to steal some of that from you just so you know as I continue to grow my business all the way through. So what's the next iteration of you? I mean, are you going to be the next world dominator of business support, help, strategy, Facebook guy? What's the end game? I've actually come to the conclusion that I want to be – either as good as or better than Jay Abram. Nice, nice. Jay Abram is the top guy that does this. Right, and tell everybody, what's Jay's company? I forget. The Abram Group. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So, awesome, awesome. What's the game plan to get there? Um, Well, if I cannot get him to mentor me, which it almost has happened, then I'm just going to study all his material. Because a lot of the concepts and strategies that he does, I do, but I don't do them in the approach that he's doing it or the way that he – so I just got to change the little things that I do to make my processes better. But I actually got approached by him on Messenger, and I was talking to him, and he's like, you know, hey, you know, I know where you are, and I know I understand what you're telling me. And then I, I saw this message later. By the way, guys, there's a guy out there acting like Jay trying yeah. to message people. And so I called the office. I'm like, hey, I'm one of those people. And then she's like, oh, well, what Jay's, Jay's doing for those people because, you know, he believes in karma and instant karma and all that good stuff and helping people. And he's like, Here, here's a list of resources where there's thousands and thousands of dollars of his trainings just for free. Nice. Nice. Like, oh. I wouldn't have got that if someone wouldn't have tried to scam me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Law well, of attraction bro- works in funny ways. Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Well, brother, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed having you on the show and, and hearing about your journey and, and you know, your story. Um, how do people get in touch with you? How do they reach out to you? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I could drop my handles below. or yep. um, I go, I, uh, My Instagram is Chris Cota Mindset, so I try to – you know, change people's mindset. So I'll call it the Chris Coda mindset. Plus, I couldn't get Chris Coda because someone else had it. So it's, it's <laughs> kind of 
one of those things. And then my website's also ChristopherCoda.com. And, like, this is actually my brand right here. Nice. Nice. Awesome. You can Google me. I'm all over the web. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, brother, here's how I like to wrap up every show, and I do hang some people up with this, so you're forewarned. If you were to give my listeners, my audience, a phrase, a quote, a motto, a thought process that they could carry with them on the rest of their journey, maybe something they put in their toolkit that they pull out when they're stacked up against it, what would be that phrase or quote or saying that you would say, use this? The goal in life and your goal in life and everybody's goal in life should be to interact with people and keep it human and act in nothing but love and caring. So if you can leave someone better than the way they were when you met them, then you've just accomplished your mission. Love it, dude. That's perfect. That's perfect. Man, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate you sharing that journey with this kid. Keep killing it. Keep rocking it. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on some big big stages doing your thing. Awesome, man. Great to be on here. Thanks for finding me uh, on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun putting these together. I wanted to make sure before we got out of here that you knew what we were doing with social content. What we found was because of the podcast, we have a unique way of helping you get your social content out on a very easy, easy way. What we're doing is we're interviewing people. And from that interview, we will capture a lot of information that will then be turned into videos, memes, articles, all things you can use for your social content. I know, like for me, one of the biggest struggles I had was what do I put out there? What do I say on a regular basis? Well, we'll help do all that for you. So if this is at all of interest to you, reach out to us and let us help you grow your social media channel. I can tell you I did this for my business, and my social media is completely taking off. My Instagram, since I started doing this, jumped over 10,000 followers, and it continues to grow. So if this is at all of interest to you, check the bottom of the show notes for the link that says, Get My Social Content Done 